Weekday afternoon replay from Money FM 89.3. Health Suites with Clarissa Montero on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Health Suites on Money FM 89.3. Today we speak to Dr. Denise Tan, consultant at Sunkang General Hospital about deep vein thrombosis. You know, honestly, doctor, I have absolutely no idea about deep vein thrombosis. I know it's something that happens or I should be concerned about uh, if I'm traveling and... Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's all kinds of socks and stuff like that that you can buy to avoid it. <laughs> You're going to have to demystify it for us today. So welcome to the show. Tell us, what is deep vein thrombosis? Deep vein thrombosis refers to blood clots that form in the deep veins of the body. Mm-hmm. And this can happen anywhere. Right. But most commonly, it happens in the veins of the lower legs, mm-hmm. the thighs or the pelvis. Okay. okay. Now, blood clots in the legs, especially those that involve the veins above the knee, mm-hmm. um, can be dangerous as they have a risk of dislodging and travelling to the lungs, okay. where they can cause more problems and can be life-threatening. So we call these blood clots in the lungs pulmonary embolism. Okay. Lungs, not heart? Lungs. Ah, so okay. the blood clot could travel through the veins, mm-hmm. through the heart. Mm-hmm. And then when they reach the lungs, that's when the blood vessels get smaller again. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a net almost that traps these blood clots. Right. So overall, about 1 in 1,000 adults will suffer from a blood clot in their deep veins, although it tends to be more likely to happen in people who are hospitalised or who have other risk factors for developing blood clots. Okay, this 1 in 1,000, is there a specific, beyond the fact that they might be patients, so I'm assuming they are in bed rest, so they're not moving around very much? Um, That's one of the risk factors. Okay. What about travellers or people who are generally sedentarily office working types like me? So the risk, uh, 1 in 1,000 is really across all adults, all ages. Mm -hmm. Um, Generally, even though air travel is one of the most commonly um, known risk factors Mm -hmm. for blood clots in the veins, Actually, it's considered a minor risk factor compared to some of the other factors. For example, things like cancer or having a very strong family history. Does diet play a part? Uh, Well, it doesn't play a strong part. Mm -hmm. But we do know that patients who are, or people who are obese, Mm -hmm. are at higher risk of getting a blood clot. So about two to four times higher than an average person. Okay, so travellers, yes, but it's not a huge... It's not as huge as Other people factors. think. Okay. Um, I would say, well, we don't have very good studies on mm-hmm. this because the data is really hard to collect and analyse. Right. But some studies show that about 0.3% of travellers travelling eight hours and above mm-hmm. uh, will develop deep vein thrombosis with symptoms. Right. And uh, more importantly, about one in a million people who travel more than eight hours could develop a fatal blood clot in the lungs. Okay. Um, and then the question goes back to, because all of you doctor-type people will tell us regular exercise, it's, you know, moving is good for you, that 10,000 steps is something that you should be thinking about, <laughs> la, la, la. How much of that plays into the one in 1,000 who get deep brain thrombosis? Well, I Is would... regular exercise a factor? 
Um, or not regular exercise, is okay. that a factor? So um, it's not known to be a risk factor mm-hmm. um, for deep vein thrombosis. Okay. But there are other lifestyle-related um, lifestyle risk factors. Mm-hmm. So like I mentioned, obesity, mm-hmm. smoking. Mm-hmm. So those are all things that we can change mm-hmm. or alter to at least minimise our risk of getting a blood clot. Okay. And I travel a couple of times a year. But there are busy businessmen or people who work in the airline industry who travel every day almost, right? Are they more susceptible to it just from the frequency of air travel? I would say that on air travel, we generally say that the longer the flight, Mm -hmm. the higher the risk. So for doctors, we tend to take about eight hours as a cutoff. Mm-hmm. Anything eight hours and above is a long haul flight anyway. Exactly. Mm. So the risk um, increases exponentially. Right. So it's not really the number of flights that you take, but it's more um, how long the flight is. Mm-hmm. And also what you do on the flight may affect your risk. So, for example, walking up and down the aisle on a long haul flight, uh, making sure you don't get dehydrated. All these can minimize your risk. Okay. Uh, interestingly, there's something called the economy class syndrome. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. But uh, honey, we've all heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> because we all fly economy when uh, we're on vacation. <laughs> so I just like to reassure everyone that so people think that, uh, you know, uh, if you sit on economy class because of the cramped seats, mm, mm, mm. you might be more likely to get a black clot compared to, let's say, flying first class where you can stretch out your legs and lie down. But studies don't show it makes any difference. Oh, so that there's no correlation between that myth and, and Exactly. Fact. So you don't have to pay big bucks to buy your first class ticket. Although to prevent it is so cuts. much more comfortable to travel that way. <laughs> but okay, yes. Well, see, I don't. I don't travel um, in business or first class when I'm going on vacation because I want to spend that money when I'm on vacation. <laughs> All of us do. <laughs> right. So... Okay, Let's go back to what I said at the beginning of this interview. There are compression socks and what have you that everyone is is wearing these days. Do they actually make a difference? Do they help? So compression stockings, I would say, do help. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are many types of stockings available in the market. Mm-hmm. The ones that really um, would make a difference are um, are actually special stockings that you need special fittings for. So they're called um, graduated compression stockings. Okay. And someone actually has to come and measure the pressure that these stockings give to your leg. So it has to be something that's not too tight to mm-hmm. affect the circulation uh, or compromise the circulation, but also not too loose so that we know that it's effective. And what these stockings do is they, they actually help to increase the blood flow in the veins and return the blood from the legs back into the, the body. So just the stuff that you can buy at the grocery store or at a pharmacy is not, it's not the actually, best option? Exactly. Does it do anything though? I would say that the effect would be... Minimal at best? Minimal. It's better than not wearing anything, mm-hmm. um, but it's minimal. Okay. The stockings I'm talking about are actually quite expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, they could be somewhere in the ballpark of maybe about 200 mm-hmm. Singapore dollars. For people who are at a higher risk of getting blood clots, for example, those who have already had a blood clot in the past, have a family member or a strong family history of blood clots, or, then, um, too bad, it's money they should spend. It's money they should spend, and these stockings can be reused time and time again. Right. So it's definitely a worthwhile investment. All right, we're speaking to Dr. Denise Tan, consultant at Sengkang General Hospital, about deep vein thrombosis. This is a great conversation because 
Like I said, I know next to nothing about it other than the fact that, that it's a concern when you travel, especially air travel. Now, are there signs that we can look out for if we're traveling or even if we're not traveling that maybe we might be affected by deep vein thrombosis? Okay, that's a very important question right. and everyone should be aware of that. The signs of a blood clot in the leg are caused by the poor blood flow out of the leg mm -hmm. when the vein is blocked by the clot. Right. Um, this can present as pain, as swelling, redness or warmth in the affected leg. And sometimes, less commonly, the leg may actually have a slightly bluish discoloration. I see. Now, um, when a clot in the leg dislodges and it travels into the arteries of the lung... Mm -hmm. Then the symptoms are different. It may present as uh, chest pain, especially pain that happens when we breathe deeply mm -hmm. or cough, breathlessness, coughing uh, with blood streak sputum, or um, palpitations, lightheadedness, or sometimes even fainting. In relation to travel-related blood clots, um, these can happen at up to six to eight weeks after the flight. So okay. if any of these symptoms develop, you should definitely seek medical attention immediately. How do you find it, though, if someone says, I, I have this discomfort when I'm coughing and, or I, I've coughed up a little bit of, you know, bloody sputum or whatever it is, is it an x-ray? Is it how invasive is it to, to diagnose? Okay, that's another very good question. So as a doctor, when we see a patient with these uh, symptoms, mm -hmm. we always have a list of possible of causes. And when it comes to pulmonary embolism or blood clot in the lungs, mm -hmm. we look for any risk factors that someone might have. So if you've had a recent travel in the past six to eight weeks, mm -hmm. definitely investigating for pulmonary embolism is one of the top things on our mind. Sure. In terms of tests that we do, there are many, many tests that a doctor could choose from, ranging from blood tests to imaging. Mm -hmm. But the most common test to look for blood clots in the legs would be that of an ultrasound mm -hmm. to look at the blood flow and uh, to look for the clot itself. Which is not painful and not particularly invasive. Which is, which is not painful and it's very quick. Yep. Um, and to look for blood clots in the lungs, the most ideal test would be that of a, a CT scan of mm -hmm. the arteries of the lungs. Which is a little bit more uncomfortable. Um, well, <laughs> it does require an injection, but that's about it. And it's very fast as well. Yes, well, no, CT, the thing with CT scans is some of us are a little bit, you know, more cowardly than others. So I am the, I am the, the coward meter. And CT scans make me a little bit uncomfortable. So I always, I always say that that's, if I'm uncomfortable, then maybe you, you might be as well. <laughs> But necessary, absolutely necessary. Definitely necessary in such a situation. Okay, so we've done the CT scan and, we, and you found the pulmonary embolism. What is the treatment? So most of the time for uh, deep vein thrombosis mm -hmm. or pulmonary embolism, uh, we, can, we prescribe blood thinners that we call anticoagulants. Okay. Um, these are either available as injectables or oral pills mm -hmm. that a patient can take. Um, what these anticoagulants do is that they prevent the clot from growing further right. while the body's own natural mechanisms slowly break down the clot over time. Right. 
But uh, in severe blood clots, especially those that are Mm -hmm. life-threatening, for example, a clot that completely cuts off the blood flow to the leg or a clot that causes a severe lack of oxygen in the lungs or the blood pressure to be very low, Mm -hmm. those require more than just simple anticoagulants. Those require medications called thrombolytics. And what thrombolytics do is um, they actually break down the existing clot much faster than our body's own mechanism can. Okay, how severe does it have to be before a patient has to be hospitalised for treatment? Okay, that's a that's another really good question. Um, most of the time, a patient would be hospitalised okay. for treatment. But now we um, have better medications. Mm-hmm. And sometimes um, if, let's say, the A&E department sees a patient with a clot, if they're otherwise well, um, the clot is small, sometimes they can just start these oral medications first and okay. give them an early appointment to see a specialist, a hematologist, cardiologist or mm-hmm. respiratory physician. Okay, so what I'm getting from you is that it is a very serious situation, especially be- when it becomes a pulmonary embolism. That's correct. Uh, but it is highly treatable. It is highly treatable, um, but I would say that of all pulmonary embolisms, 1% to 2% may die or may okay. not make it to the hospital in time. Right. Generally speaking, for the vast majority of patients who do make it to the hospital, are investigated and treated early, they do get better. Okay. So the takeaway here is it's nothing to mess around with. If you start to feel any of the symptoms, you need to go to a hospital and you need to go to a hospital very quickly. Exactly. Okay. Because you know all of us normal people will be like, yeah, maybe I'll feel better tomorrow. You know, and put it off for a couple of days. And what you're saying is this is not something to put off for a couple of days if you're showing the symptoms. Yes, that's... Is, that's is exactly, that what I'm... Am exactly, I getting it right? That's exactly correct. Right. <laughs> all right. Now, if you have had... Now, we've talked about people who have had it before, they've dealt with it, and they want to fly again or they want to travel again. Is there in any situation individuals who just shouldn't travel after that? Okay, so um, you're talking about people who have had a blood clot Mm -hmm. in the past. Right. So for anyone who's had a blood clot in the past or people who are at very high risk of getting blood clots. Mm-hmm. For example, if they have um, active cancer that's undergoing sure. treatment or the very strong family history, um, if they should discuss it with their doctor. So what we do is, in some of these patients, even though they've completed their course of anticoagulation, we may actually give them a dose of anticoagulant to take um, just to cover them um, during the flight. Right. In addition to that, they should definitely wear these uh, stockings mm-hmm. if they want to minimize their $200. risks. $200. $200. Good investment. <laughs> and um, other things that any person can do to minimize the risk of having a blood clot on a flight mm-hmm. is um, firstly, uh, keep well hydrated on the flight. You know, a lot of the time, we don't want to drink because we don't want to get up, disturb our neighbour, go to the bathroom. But the getting up is good for you. But exactly, the getting up is good for you, that's one. And drinks like uh, caffeinated drinks, alcohol can also dehydrate our bodies. Um, So, if you are worried about disturbing your neighbour, you can always get an aisle seat Mm -hmm. rather than a window seat. Right. And also, there are leg exercises um, that you can even do while you're seated So um, these are usually exercises that involve working out the calf muscles of your leg. So you can just stretch your legs out and then move your feet up and down or rotate them at the ankles. And those help? Those would help. Okay. 
Thank you so much, Dr. Denise Tan, consultant at St. Kang General Hospital, for coming in and talking to us about deep vein thrombosis. I had, as I said at the start, a very, very small understanding of what it was. Now I have a much better understanding of it. So this has been a great conversation for Health Suites on Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.